Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Everyone, thank you guys for joining. I'm here with Monique Elwell of Storyvine, and um, we'll just get, kind of get right into it. Monique, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I have I have a sordid past, Beep. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I actually, my my first career, I actually started out on Wall Street covering internet stocks in like the very early 90s. Um, wow. My boss, uh, his claim to fame was a sell on Netscape while we worked for Smith Barney. And if you know anything about internet research equity research nobody ever has sales so it was quite sales on on stock um so i did that for about eight years um same team worked for smith barney union bank of switzerland mother merrill helped start out the wit capital research department um and uh then went by the way of the entrepreneur and i got that bug um and now i'm with storyvine which is my fourth company um i'm the president coo and chief operating author sorry and uh co-founder and we've been doing it almost for a decade Wow. And and so 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 tell me a little bit about Storyvine. How did you come up with the idea why Storyvine going from from Wall Street to starting your business is one thing. I I, I admire that and and respect it and appreciate it, but why did you pick Storyvine? And what actually what is Storyvine? Sure. So um so let's start with what is Storyvine. So we are a guided video technology platform that allows our clients which are predominantly large pharmaceuticals, but we have a lot of other clients as well, um, to create replicable stories. So we work in a regulated space for the most part. That's that's a bit of our sweet spot um, in the healthcare space predominantly, but we also do finance and education. Um, and companies will use us to film patient stories, customer testimonials, training, um, you know, uh, internal comms, external comms, anything where there's a replicable story that you need either one person to tell a story, a different type of story, like a journal over and over, or multiple people to tell their version of the story. Um, gotcha. And do you provide like the producer for these, these videos? We do it all automatically. So the people, um, so we sit down with our client and we figure out what's the story you want to tell. Oh, you want to tell a customer testimonial? Great. We work with them to create the questions and so forth. And the we edit the storyboard ahead of time, program it into our system. They give the um, they give our app with an assigned template, their custom template to their people to film with a phone. Um, and the people follow the bouncing ball just like a karaoke machine. Um, and out pops the final video as well as all the assets to the video. Um, we also have, um, we're also powered by AI now. So we can take that video and produce an enormous amount of content. So blog posts, tweets, translations, transcriptions, um, other videos, that type of stuff. That's fascinating. So, so you mentioned AI. So given that you can put all those formats out with kind of minimal input, Mm-hmm. Um, has that helped, like, has that resulted in additional revenue, additional opportunities, additional anything? Uh, yeah, it actually, that, um, 
we've been able to go back to existing clients with that we call it our omni-channel content engine um, with that AI powered powered piece of Storyvine, and we're able to get more meetings and higher up meetings within the organization. And you mentioned pharmaceuticals, kind of I would suspect biotech, but is that kind of your sweet spot? That's where your 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 bread and butter. Yeah, our sweet spot is definitely pharmaceuticals, and we will do anything from large pharma, so Novartis, Merck, Janssen, uh, oh, wow. BMS. Pfizer, they've all, uh, they're all clients of ours. We also go down to the much smaller pharmas too, because we are able to save them so much money on the, on the, compared to a normal production team where they're paying people physically to show up and film and, you know, create these beautiful videos. Um, we are usually about a 10th of that cost. So we can work for a lot of the small, smaller farmers as well. So, and I might've missed this, but so does that, is it, is it a platform that they kind of operate and run themselves or do you provide personnel to help na- help them navigate the platform? Both. So my business partner, who's the inventor of Storyline, and I um, are big believers that you don't just hand someone technology and say, go have fun. Yep. We actually handhold them through the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not... We, we also, in addition to our technology, have a methodology around storytelling. So there's a lot of companies out there that will allow you to create videos, but they don't give you any direction around storytelling yeah. or any advice with regard to that. Um, that is, that is our, in our core DNA is um, my business partner, Kyle is a trained actor, screenwriter and um, specialist in telling stories. Oh, that's awesome. And so you said you've been doing it for almost 10 years or around 10 years, I think. Almost, almost a decade. Almost a decade. Yes. Um, so how, how did you choose? So, so tech in the solution is one thing, but how did you get, pharmaceuticals as your kind of, why not something else? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great story. So um, like I said, Kyle's the inventor of the tech. I am the business person that takes people who have a great idea and turns them into businesses. Okay. Um, So another way to say it is Kyle is the hand wavy guy and I'm the person that keeps the trains running on time. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, I got it. Right. So he's product visionary, right. I'm sort of, you know, I handle all the business components. Um, so, uh, he came to me to give you a little history. He came to me with the concept and I was like, I don't really understand what this is, you know? Um, and I happened to be interviewing, I was looking for a job and I happened to be interviewing with another company, um, that was also a video company, but it was video metrics. And I showed the two different concepts to a whole bunch of people in my Rolodex, like people at large companies like AT&T and, um, where else? Coca-Cola you know, down to people who had small companies across industry, whatnot. And they all said, gosh, like, I don't care about that metrics company, but that Storyvine thing, you're really onto something. Um, And uh, we kind of had a bit of a pitch. It wasn't necessarily, like we didn't have technology. I'm a big believer in that you sell first and then you build. Yep. Um, And uh, so we pitched it to, I just called up a bunch of people in my network. and, And one of them happened to be a guy that used to be, IBM's um, run their global brand. And I'm like, Hey, Kevin, like, what do you think? Do you think we have something here? Like, what do you think? And he's like, yes, you do. And I will set up a meeting with you with IBM to, you know, next week you'll fly to New York. Wow. And we did. And we walked out with a paid pilot basically. Um, But they, they understood what we did. And we said to them, this is our methodology here. You know, here's how much, you know, they said, well, look, we've got this pilot project that we want you to work on. And we sold it to them for a nominal fee and then did the concept manually mm-hmm. um, and proved to them that the methodology worked for what we did. And then they gave us another um, $100,000 contract 
And um, and then that we took that contract we took to the investors and said, now we need to build the tech. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. And, but then did the investors lead you to your first like pharmaceutical? Cause that was IBM, the pilot, but then. No. So throughout our history, and I apologize, you did ask that um, throughout our history, we have had a lot of um, expansion. Let's throw a pasta at the wall and figure out what our new yep. category is. And then narrowing. Okay. Now we know our category. We're really going to go deep into that category. And so um it was actually fairly early on. We had our largest expansion after we'd gotten the IBM deal. We just sort of sold to anybody and everybody. So we yep. sold to the $500, um, you know, the $500 deal to the small business person who had a storefront to, you know, um, I think we were pitching Visa at one point, like anybody and everybody. And we happened to stumble really upon a pharmaceutical. So one of one of our contacts, either Kyle's or mine, um, and we're in our fifties, right? So you get, reach a certain age and your friends actually have budget, you know, and work for large companies. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. So it was one of these things where like one of our friends worked for pharma or worked with a, with somebody who knew pharma and, um, we did a project with them. Um, and it was, you know, pharmas have a lot of money. Um, so we were really happy to do that. Um, they need a lot more handholding than a lot of our clients because of the regulatory components. And there was a couple things that um, that worked in our favor. And one, the one thing that worked. So one, we had a value prop that they absolutely wanted. They were frustrated with a lot of the professional video that they um, that they had because it was not authentic. It was so, it wasn't believable, and so much so that if you look in the television ads, it says, "No, trust us. These are real people. They're not trained <laughs> actors." Yeah. And they wanted their conversion rates to be higher and they wanted their stuff to be authentic, but they could not do user generated content. They just can't do it with all the regulatory components. Yep. So at the time we were upset because we had some competitors who did a lot of the video processing on their phones. And remember, like we only got a hundred thousand dollars and we got a little bit of, you know, we were building this tech, but it wasn't fully built out. And so as we were pitching to the pharmas, we're like, well, we do all the, pro- you have to take the assets from the phone and you have to upload them to our backend system. And then the video gets processed and then there's a lag and then you get, then yeah. you can see it and we'll email it to you. And a lot of the other people are like, oh, that's horrible. We want it to have, we want it instantly. But the farmers were like, no, 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 no. That is secure. Yeah. Like we can work with you. In fact, we can't work with any of the people, the other competitors have it on their phones. Yeah. That have it on their phones. And we were like, oh, okay. And then we, you know, uh, and so as we went on, we were sort of naive, right? So at one point, we're selling in for a certain amount of money and we're on the phone with the procurement guy and he's like, okay, well, is it this amount? And literally it was like 40% more. And, you know, it was in writing, so we couldn't say, yeah, it's that amount. But from that, like, we immediately raised our prices um, to that new amount. And then it, and it worked out well because they, in the end, they wound up needing a lot, some more services initially, which a lot of which we've now sort of automated. And then since we've since reduced our prices. Um, So it it actually just, it was a certain, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, it was serendipitous, but we also started with a large check size. And that's really helpful when you don't really know what your full, your full product is. So did, was that what kind of led, led you to focus on pharmacy? Like it happened serendipitous to to be pharmaceuticals, right? The fact that they don't want it on their phone and they want a secure path of, of actually processing and all of that. Right. So that hit your sweet spot, but in terms of like, all right, how did you know it wasn't a one-off? Yeah. Okay. So excellent question. So I'm a big believer in data, right? As I mentioned, I worked on wall street. So, 
Um, we took all of the data from throwing pots at the wall. And, and I can't remember off the top of my head because this is like 12 years ago, but um, it was probably about 50 different companies that we had sold into, you know, all different sizes. Mm-hmm. And we um, uh, plotted them on a, on a four point um, square graph and said, yep. I, I'm trying to remember what the angles were. So it was check size, you know, how much are they willing to spend? Obviously, pharma's came up the highest. <laughs> um, speed to close. Pharma's actually came up the slowest at that time. Yeah. It was nine months. Um, and, and some of our other deals were a lot slower. Um, did they? Did we have a problem that... Did they have a problem that we could solve? And pharma's actually came up pretty high on that. Some of the other ones did. And then it was uh, access. Okay. And we weighted access more heavily because we're a startup at the time we were a startup and didn't have a lot of funds. Like we didn't have a sales team. It was just Kyle and me, you know, we didn't have any budget for marketing. Um, and it just so happened that we had Kyle and I happened to know a couple people in that had large Rolodexes in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and we sold um, through a channel at that point, we sold through agencies. Um, and I think that point, 80% of our sales or, or 90% of our sales came through agencies. Now it's more like 20%. Um, but that really helped us get it then through that agency we got our second pharmaceutical client and that kind of validated it and then we started going to events and um meeting up with the different agencies and then it sort of it, it was obvious pretty quickly that we were able to get into that market that's um, awesome that's, yeah that's and then you mentioned there were one of the slowest ones when trying to like in terms yes. of you know contracting or, or you know closing them so like can you kind of describe and you don't have to give me any special sauce but in terms of kind of things that you've learned along the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I got a lot. This is like a whole hour. Yeah. (laughs) So one, um, so what, as a newbie in the sales space, I did not realize, um, that once that person, you know, once the person you're selling into says, yes, there is a whole process that begins in order to close a deal from a contracting standpoint. Um, and, um, and, and there's, there's so many nuances to this, but you can sell through an agency. Um, so a lot of the creative agencies don't have a a good sales process and the people that like our contacts at the agencies, they'll say, Oh, we got the deal, but they don't necessarily mean they got the deal, right? Like the client said, yes, that's awesome. But they've not signed. Like, so the first stage is the client has to sc- sign the scope of work with the agency. And a lot of times the, our agency contact wouldn't be able to articulate that. He wouldn't say, oh, they're not a client of ours yet, or they are a client of ours, and we just need to sign a scope of work. Those are two different, very different sales processes. Yep. And, uh, you know. um, and then, okay, great. Like we got that signed. Now, excuse me, now the agency has the, their scope of work signed with the client. Now we have to get the agency to sign our scope of work. Um, you know, and then there's, and then there's a whole billing issue. Like we learned really quickly, um, that with one fortune 500 company that just because you have a signed contract doesn't mean you have a PO and you can do a whole bunch of work. And if they haven't processed a PO, they're never going to pay you. Yeah. So like, I mean, I could spend an hour. Yeah. So, so then, so then you have personas, right? You probably have, like you mentioned, the, the clients, the customer says yes, but that probably was like either a champion or an influencer, not the decision maker. Right. He didn't have the checkbook, right? Um, right. And right. so that must have been a little bit of school of hard knocks in terms of trying to figure that out. That and have you have you have you come to a point where you have a best practices in mind now when you are when you face a new opportunity with a new pharmaceutical company or something? Do you have an idea of how to go in? And to shrink your quote to cash 
yes. to where it's from nine months to maybe six months or I don't know. Like Yeah, we're, we're four to six months now. It depends on the procurement process, which you really often can't speed up. Although I, yeah. I, I do the best I can. Um, yeah, we have a very defined process. We have about 50, like I have a 50 page sales um, process, which talked about all the different things. So um, a lot of our sales process is around one, we want to make sure they're a good fit for us. So we will not sell to someone if they're not, if they're not a good fit, I will tell them no, or I will say, you will be a good fit, but here's the homework that you need okay. um, to do, to accomplish before you come hire us up. Um, the, the second thing is, um, what is the use case that they're going to use it for? Because that's, they usually get tripped up on that. Like one of the early on, the early issues that we had selling Storyvine, we called it the enthusiasm chasm. Mm -hmm. And we would pitch and Kyle is a phenomenal pitcher. Like he's a trained actor. I've never before worked with someone that had a standing ovation during a sales pitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like right. they stood up and just clapped. Like that's he's like, he's, that's Mad Men-esque. Right. Yeah. No, totally <laughs> Mad Men-esque. Um, and what we were doing early on is we were selling the vision, right? Kyle, yeah. this great vision. That's awesome. And everyone's like, oh my God, this, this thing is fantastic. We'll save so much money and we'll have such innovative product and we'll do some cool things and blah, blah, blah. And then we would try to close the deal. And because we had never extracted from them what their use case was, mm -hmm. they would get caught up in the possibilities and then just sort of fizzle and not know where to go from there. Yeah. It was too much. There was way too much, you know? And so now we start with, okay, great. We're really glad you're excited. What is the one, you know, and you've just come up with five different use cases. What's the one that you want to start on with? Yeah. And then let's drill down on that. Okay, great. You're interested in, let's just, let's pretend for a moment that you agree that you want to move forward. What does that internal sales process look like? Yeah. Right. Who do you need to get on board to buy this deal? Who do you need to sign off on the contract? Who provides the money? So I actually make them talk me through that process. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot different than asking who's the budget holder. Or one question that we ask a lot is, um, this is from Townsend Wardlaw. He's a sales consultant we hired early on was, um, he calls it the person of authority. Do you have the authority to sign on this contract or do you need to get approval from someone else? Um, and that's a great question, but a lot of times, particularly in the pharmaceutical space, they need to get approval from IT. They need to get, um, you know, privacy, uh, thing. there's a whole process yeah. that comes out. So I ask them a lot around process. Okay. Um, interesting. And then I had, I had a question that just is now fleeting. Sorry. Apologies. No, no, no. Um, so, so in terms of the, uh, it had to do with your, your sales motion, your initial identifying, you mentioned the person of authority and it had to do with, so, so the complexity that in your 50 page kind of playbook, it sounds like that you have, um, it does, is it, are they able to, is your, is your team able to follow that pretty like to the T and still accomplish the success that you, or do they have to personalize it for the opportunity? That it is, I would say 80% they can follow it. My biggest issue is getting people to follow it. Okay. Right. Cause it's, it's when you, we have a kind of a core process that you follow. And then a lot of the personalization is it within those 50 pages. So, you know, here's the main email that you write and here's like five or six different iterations oh, wow. to that on. level. Yeah. To that you know, level. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, but a lot of times, um, what's interesting is my struggles in hiring salespeople. And I, and I've got a great sales guy now who totally mm-hmm. follows it and he's crushing it. Um, is there are people who just don't want to, um, be a pest, right? Like there's, there's the belief that salespeople are awful, that they're kind of swarmy, you know, and, and if you, if you ask someone for the business, you're swarmy too, you know, or if you call them to follow up or if you, um, really kind of, I don't want to say insist, but like you're a little pushy around getting, scheduling that follow-up meeting. I mean, I, I I hear you, but it is part of the job. Like it is part of the job description. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I've had salespeople that are like, Oh no, no, no. Like one senior guy who had a phenomenal Rolodex and he was like, you know, great guy. He just didn't feel comfortable with that. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll tell you what, why don't you do it your way for a while? And yeah. and then, you know, we'll compare with what I've done. And his sales dropped 80% when he stopped following the process. You know, yeah. so I was like, okay, let's go back to the way that we were doing it now. <laughs> so, um, you know, during during the, the pre-call of this, you'd mentioned that you have like one good guy. Do you ha- is that your sales, that pretty much you and in, in your in your counterpart kind of that works for you? Yeah, team of two effectively. Are you looking? uh, Is Storyvine looking to grow? Do you like what do you see on the horizon in terms of growth for sales? Or is at the at the rate at which you're closing, it's like this is a good pace. Two people is enough. Yeah, at some point we'll probably hire another person. We've actually uh, so post COVID we did really really well. Um, We did we did exceptionally well. We're a video technology company in the time of COVID, so we did really well. what we've been able to do in the last year or last year and a half, um, mainly because I'm crediting my sales guide for this is we've been able to increase our check size. Um, I think almost a hundred percent. And had, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold you there for a second, pause you there yeah. for a second. So how did he take it upon himself to increase the check size? Did you like look at the opportunity you go for budget? Like what are some of the techniques? I think it was a team know? effort, right? And, and, you know, before we started this call, I talked about this concept of triangulation and, and I knew it was possible because I I've done it myself within mm-hmm. select companies, but you know, I'm, I'm running the organization in addition to doing sales. So, um, I think that for our sales guy, it came naturally to him. Like we, cause I actually talked to him about this and I'm like, what is it? What is it? How did you learn this? You know? Cause like you pick it up instinctively and we talk about it and you're like, yeah, yeah I got it. And he's like, I think it's an instinct. Um, he just like me is able to sort of plot in his head an organization and kind of know who to talk to, to kind of continually move upward and then to put together multi um, enterprise deals. So, and we work together, you know, conceptually, like uh, he is totally new to pharma, never called a pharma company before. So it was a lot of contacts that we had before. And now that he's been with us for more than a year, it's new. He's bringing in a lot of business that we've not touched before, which is fantastic. Um, and we would, you know, once a week we would sit down and say, okay, of the companies that we've touched, you're, you've got this singular deal that you're working on and you're talking with Joe, you know, great. Well, Joe has appeared, Jane and Bob and Mark, yeah. and how do we reach those people? And how do we get a larger deal constructed? Um, and we have kind of organizational maps um, so that we have a clear understanding of, you know, who who's what? Are they an influencer? Are they somebody that could kill the deal? Are they an evangelist? Um, and we just go through that every week. And um, and he, he goes after it like a dog on a bone and brings them in. 
That's awesome. Are you all located in the Denver area or are you kind of all? No. So we were pre-COVID. We had a nice little Denver office pre-COVID. And then once COVID happened, one of my team members like, I'm going to move to, I think she moved to Durango. And when we started, we started, we doubled our staff post-COVID. And so we started just hiring all over the place. And now it's just Kyle and me in the office. Nobody else wanted to come back. (laughs) <laughs> do you find that challenging? Like in, in the, in the world of where everybody's remote, you got Elon Musk on one side, you got like, I don't know, even now there's a, everybody's saying every, every fortune 500 C, CEO on the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do not, I have run virtual organizations. Um, and the way that, so the way that we manage is critical to whether or not you were able to embrace being virtual or not. So I manage by output. Doesn't matter who's working for me. It's the yep. easiest way to manage a sales. It is so yeah. easy to manage a sales person remotely because you can see their numbers. You can look at Salesforce. Are you making the phone calls? You know, yeah. are you closing the deals? That's easy. Non-sales people are a lot harder, um, but I've been doing it enough where I'm very comfortable managing a completely virtual workforce. My business partner, Kyle, um, trained actor, creative guy, loves to be in front of people, waves his hands, very, very social extrovert, died slowly oh, once COVID yeah. happened. Um, so we're, we're um, you know, we do fly people in like once a year, sometimes more. Um, and we need that kind of social butter, uh, like that social time together to solidify um our relationships and our and our working communication abilities mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't have a problem working virtually okay that's that's awesome um so 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 if i could ask you a personal question like sure it's kind of personal kind of professional but doesn't necessarily have to do with storyline right okay I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 50 myself this year. Ah. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm catching up. Uh, but in your experience, in your sales, kind of just from beginning to end, is there one, maybe two stories that you've taken with you that have made you the, the leader sales leader that you are today? Like, what can you share any, any story that was a, was a lesson? I, and I'm happy to share one of mine that, that in return. Sure. Um, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is one that I learned kind of early on. We had a big, big, big pharma, and we had one woman who um, kind of brought us in. She was our evangelist, and but she kind of positioned herself between us and everyone else, mm. right? So we didn't have a lot of other access to people. So she's and a gatekeeper. She was she was a gatekeeper, but she was also an evangelist, and she did a great job getting us business. But she would never let us sort of talk directly to those people. Um, so one of the things, so there was a bunch of different things that I did in trying, I knew that she was doing that. And I, I knew from past experience that if I just had that one contact, it would, um, it would fall apart once she left. Yep. So I really tried hard to get a bunch of different contacts. Um, and, um, and we did, and she did leave. Um, but one of the contacts I got was one of the best contacts I've ever done. And it was, when we worked with the attorney to develop the master services agreement, every time I'm on the phone with someone, I'm like, where are you located? Okay, great. Turns out freakishly, he was located in Denver. Oh, nice. And super nice guy. Who's there? And you think, oh, what's an attorney going to do, right? He's just doing the MSA. Nope. I called him up and I, I took him out to breakfast once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of times these people like, 
They're super smart. They're excellent at what they do, but they're dealing with large corporate bureaucracies. So to hang out with the cool kids that, you know, you've got this tiny little company that's like under 10 people and you're doing neat stuff and they're thrilled. Like, take me out to breakfast, treat me nicely. You know, let me tell you about my, my little startup, you know, and you pat me on the head and you think I'm cute. And, um, well, I'm guessing he doesn't have a lot as an attorney. Attorneys aren't in sales, right? I'm guessing he doesn't get taken completely out. Completely wrong. Really? This guy was ridiculously networked into the company. And he's uh-huh. one of the reasons that we were not only able to save that deal when this woman left, but mm-hmm. expand dramatically. And because of him and his contacts, he's been the most gracious man to us. Um, and he has introduced us to like C-suite level. And he will, will, will still, we still take him out and he'll give us, you know, information about like, oh, here are the politics. Like if you, you know, do this with this company, then, or this person over here, then you're going to make that person mad or pitch it this way to that person, you know, um, which has been invaluable. So don't like, like, don't forget about the gatekeepers. Don't forget about the attorneys. Like they have a wealth of information that um, is really useful. That's fascinating. So, yeah. So he's like your, your company whisperer. Oh yeah. And that's great. I'm totally going to use that. Thank you. I have company whispers at every major corporation Um, and I will call them up and say, you know, and like sometimes they're junior people. Like there's this one woman at another large pharma. I love her to death. Like, like we have totally bonded on a personal level and I call her up and I go, Hey, you know what I heard? this agency, you know, was pitching one of your brands and the agency got shut down. Like they can't pitch you anymore. Who is the direct person? Now I can pitch them because the agency is no longer pitching them. And she gives me their phone number and stuff. And she's like, don't tell them I said, I'm like, no problem. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I I close that deal. Like, Uh, but that's, that's hustle though. Right. Like that's, that's the difference between someone who's like, I don't feel like calling. I'm not going to reach out to that person and ask them for a favor or whatever. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of it is like, don't start with the favor. Like just start with a personal connection. Like, you know, a lot of these people, um, they want to be seen and heard, right. You know, they, um, they, they have things that you, that you passionately bond about, you know, they, they usually have some sort of thing, whether it's travel or, you know, um, golf or a sport or something like you, you can find a commonality. I mean, we're, and to me right now, that's particularly important post COVID. Like we have so we have really killed the social networking concept. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that just getting into an event and talking to someone and talking to them as a human, um, like pers- I love that. It's hard. That's why I love what I do. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, as we, as we wrap up the, um, for today, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to, t- to, to mention um, either about yourself or about Storyvine or anything else actually for that matter? Yeah, this is not sales, but um, one of the things that I am very proud about is how I've handled collections. Oh, okay. So in our nearly 12-year history, I've only once had a problem with collections, and that was just in the last year when and when a lot of the people doing accounts payable like suddenly weren't in the office or on vacation or had COVID. Um, and, and other than that, we've never had problems with collections. And a lot of small companies don't realize you need to complain about the check before you get it. So what we do with every company, particularly if it's a newly closed sale, mm-hmm. in fact, definitely if it's a newly closed sale, is about two weeks, you know, bef- bef- as we're getting it into the system, we make certain that we're in the system and that every all the paperwork's handled. Inevitably, somebody messes up. Yep. So about two or three weeks or a month before, we ask for a check date. And if you don't ask for a check date, 
Like if you just say, hey, you're going to pay us on time. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll pay on time. But if you don't ask for a check date, then you don't know if there's a problem. Yeah. Because they can't, if they can't tell you when that. you're going to, what run you're going to be on, that's the problem. And then they have to go back and they go, oh, we didn't put you in the vendor or you're in the red inside yeah, well, our system, yeah. not green or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. What a great tip. Thank you. That's- that's awesome. Um, so, it, so Monique, it's been a pleasure. Actually, thank you for for kind of telling us your story and Storyvines as well. Um, how do people get a hold of you? Sure, um, Storyvine.com. So, Monique at Storyvine.com or the old-fashioned way seven two zero four four nine seven zero seven seven. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for for participating for for hanging out with me for a little bit and talking about yourself and Storyvine. Awesome. Been, well, thanks, Steve. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Take care. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com 